The following is a KPB MediaWorks production. Choose your fighter. What is going on, gang? We are back for another episode of KPB Cast. This is Bottomless Prime. And here today, I have, straight from New England, your favorite Fulgor, your favorite rock star, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, how are we doing today? I'm doing wonderful, man. What an introduction. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. You deserve it. You deserve it. I appreciate you being here. <laughs> um, how was your day today? How's it going? So far, so good. More of the same. Uh, working on a lot of content. Been working on my Patreon, of course, Ultra Tech University. So working every single day with Killer Instinct students, people that, that look to get better at the game. I'm working with them day in and day out, hours and hours on end, uh, helping the new generation of Killer Instinct players get better at this game. Uh, so how did that start, the, the Killer Instinct University? I'm curious about that. So when I started Ultra Tech University back uh, in the beginning of July, um, I decided I wanted to you know, work from home full time because I was uh, working with my, my family screen printing and uh, it was getting kind of in the way. I really didn't want to do that stuff anymore. I wanted to follow my dreams and I was like, you know what? I'm already staying home a lot as it is and with the whole pandemic thing going on right now, um, I think it'd be best for me to work from home and stay safe. So let me try to do this. Let's see if this works out. So I started re really going hard with Twitch content, YouTube content, and then I developed the Patreon so that I would have another avenue for a way to, you know, make some money, of course, and also help people in the killer community. Because of course, with COVID and people staying home and social distancing and all that, people wanted to play fighting games that had a lot of like, you know good net codes and stuff like that. So Killer Instinct was at the top of that list. So I was just like, well, if we have all these new players coming in that have never played the game before, the game is almost seven years old, people are gonna wanna learn how to play. So that's kind of where how, that's how it all started. That's good to know. Um, Where is the community right now? Is it still like, can I jump on Steam and get a good match? Uh, how's the player base now? Yeah, the player base has definitely grown a lot. If you're on the Steam, Xbox uh, Xbox version, or Windows 10, uh, you can find matches, exhibition matches, ranked matches, um, lobbies, stuff like that. There's the crossplay between Steam, Windows 10, and Xbox. So anybody can just search up with, you know, with anybody at any given time, and you know they can you know meet up on Steam and meet up on Xbox. Like, okay, I'm ready on this side. Are you ready? And then you know, people can just play each other. It's 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 great, and the community is thriving. We have a bunch of events, tournaments, um, just so much going on in the community right now. A lot of Killer Instinct content happening. Um, let's take a pause on Killer Instinct, and let's kind of dial it back a bit. So, who is Nikki? Who is Nikki when you take Killer Instinct out? Excuse me, Killer Instinct out, and we start at your beginnings. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Man, so <laughs> who is Nikki? Uh, Nikki was just a kid who grew up, uh, who did kind of okay at school, but never really knew what he wanted to do. Uh, had a passion for music, uh, first and foremost, growing up at the age of 11 or 12, I started playing guitar. And uh, I, I really just fell in love with music as a whole. That was really like the first thing that I dove into that was like, this is, this, I, got, I got something here. Um, it picked it up fairly quickly. And kind of figured out that I had a little bit of uh, like a natural ear for music and I was able to recognize pitches and um, stuff like that along the way. Uh, so growing up, a lot of it for me was music. Um, I really wanted to become a musician. Uh, went to high school and I started singing in choir. I played in jazz band. Um, I would play in the pit for the band for whatever, whenever the school had uh, like a musical or anything like that. 
Um, so it was all all music for the most part. But I did grow up playing video games, um, and a lot of those games were fighting games. My very first video game ever that I ever touched was Tekken Two for the PlayStation One. So I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> so you're in there, you uh, definitely been seasoned. Um, I, I want to go back to your music a bit. Uh, sure. What, what people don't know about me personally is that I do have a musical background. Uh, I learned how to write and play music in the fifth grade. So I started with brass instruments, uh, trumpet, migrated to the tuba, even though I really wanted to play the saxophone. But because I was a big kid, they needed a big kid to hold an instrument, which is annoying. Uh-huh. Um, so you say you were self-taught and you did you learn to write music or did you just start with feel and listening? How did you get into music in that way? So for me with music, um, I tried the whole self-taught thing at first um, and I was able to like pick up some things. I had trouble reading music at first. I wasn't I wasn't getting it. Um, and then as I got older, I started actually getting lessons. And when things started to click for me, I was in uh, like a metal band in high school or whatever. And I was listening to like a lot of metal music. And that was what actually taught me a lot of music theory because I would watch those guitar players. Like, for example, um, like Sinister Gates from Avenged Sevenfold. He was a big influence and a big reason why I became the musician that I am was learning how the musicality affected you know, such heavy music with like aggressive guitar riffs and um, and dissonance and really, you know, metally sounding stuff and what the musicality behind all that is. Um, so that had a big impact on my learning as well. Then I uh, went down a different avenue and I decided, well, if I'm going to pursue music, uh, there's no degree for rock or metal or anything like that. And I really got into jazz and classical music. So I decided that I was going to go to school and become, you know, a, a jazz guitarist. And I was studying jazz for the better part of about two maybe maybe close to two and a half years sounds like you have quite the pedigree and we're not even we're just cracking the shell right now it hasn't <laughs> even exploded yet um who's your favorite guitarist oh my favorite guitarist of all time jeez that's don't do this to me <laughs> it's so hard of all time um man just pound for pound favorite guitarist I'm, I'm going to have to go with Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, all okay. in all, uh, because a, a lot of the riffs that I started learning growing up playing guitar, a lot of them were like, you know, Black Sabbath riffs, you know, like Iron Man, like the the whole bending, the bang, I am Iron Man. That was like one of the first things I learned how to do. Um, and a lot of the music I love to this day is from, you know, the late 60s, early 70s. So, so Black Sabbath has a huge musical inspiration for me and Tony Iommi's guitar playing and how he was able to overcome like having um, uh, like mi- missing part of his fingertip, you know what I mean? And still being able to play the instrument so wonderfully. Um, it's something I really, you know, I, I really appreciate about him as a musician and as a human being just super talented overall. So if I had to pick one, um, I, I, I was almost going to say Jimmy Page, but I, <laughs> I have to give it to Tony. I have to give it to Tony Iommi. That's awesome. I am um, a voice of bass. And I love bass players. So Reginald Fieldy uh, used to be part of Korn. Uh, yeah. One of oh, my yeah. favorite bassists of all time with the seven string. He used to like, yes. you know, black kid from the hood. Just, you know, not, uh-huh. you don't get Falling too many of us like oh, that. Yeah. But yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I used to love listening to this, his riffs. And I came this close. I, I was the time I wanted to be a rock star. And then I guess I didn't pursue it. Not that nothing wrong with it. You know. Other things just no, came up, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's music for you like today? 
Uh, music for me now is more than it ever was. Um, you know, pl I've, I've played music all the way right along. Um, just from practicing metal songs and learning how to play like really fast stuff, you know, then transferring over to like bluesy stuff and jazz. I took a classical course at one point for piano and for guitar. Um, that opened my eyes and broadened my horizons a little bit there as well. Um, and then, then it was just a matter of just me, you know, figuring out what I thought sounded good and the things that I related to emotionally uh, mm -hmm. in terms of music. And if I, if I played something that I felt like, um was symbolic of something like if i was playing a sad song or a happy song or an aggressive song or anything like that um i always played what i felt was right in that moment you know what i mean so for me um music was more than just like what i wanted to become an occupation it was an outlet so i really wanted my music to be genuine and um kind of where it's at now is that because where i'm at now is you know, I'm working from home full time and I'm playing, you know, video games. And that's kind of kind of my career. And the music that I write now is for video games. My band, um, Onaga, we write music uh, about video games. Of course, Onaga mm -hmm. being one of my favorite characters of all time, my favorite Mortal Kombat character, Onaga. Um, and writing music for Killer Instinct and Mortal Kombat tournaments as well. That's sweet. That's sweet. Um, what is a goal you want to accomplish within the next year? Or two, not, not nothing strict, but just in the near future when it comes to your your your, your, your musical your, your musical career. Excuse me, when it comes to that, like, what's a hard goal you want to hit in the next couple of years? Uh, well, we are working on an album right now, and I w I would love for that to be released hopefully by the end of next year. But I would say my my actual goal is hopefully uh, you know putting a big a big prayer behind this one. Hopefully we get offline tournaments back and I would love to write a theme song for an offline tournament, something oh, like man. big, like a, a theme for like combo breaker or something, you know, I know, um, ECT, East Coast Soul Down, they had a partnership with Roadrunner Records, I believe, um, that's oh, yeah. something to look into. I mean, I, I don't want to get into labels and that stuff, but you know, they, they're on that path. They got the awards with the, the platinum record, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, they did the last couple of years. So. That's something that I think you could fit right into. Man, that's right up my alley. I, I before they did the platinum records, uh, the year prior to that, I won Killer Instinct there, and I got the ECT drumhead. Mm, so yes. those are pretty cool too. Yes, definitely. Yep. Um, let's go back to your discovery of fighting games with Tekken, right? Tekken Two. Um, sure. Now you're a younger guy on the younger side. Um, we've had over the podcast episodes varying ages from early 20s to 50s of guests and their different experiences before, during and after the FGC, how they got into gaming. So were you always from the New England area, from Connecticut? Is that where you were born and raised? Yes, yes, my and, whole life. Yep. And what was that for you growing up in gaming? You're on the younger side, so you're probably at best on the rear end of the arcade scene, uh, if there were any left at the time so what was that for you how did you how was gaming in your life at an early age and the things that brought you to this meeting point that's now you being in the killing scene community like how did how did your foundation for gaming start so a lot of it for me because like you said there wasn't much for arcades right we had mm -hmm. a couple like rec centers that had arcades in them but it, was, it wasn't like a lot of like you know there wasn't like street fighter 2 cabs and marvel cabs everywhere like there were there were some 
but it was mostly like laser tag and bumper cars and stuff <laughs> like that. There was, it wasn't a whole lot of like arcade experience. Like it wasn't, it wasn't exactly Chinatown fair. You know what I mean? Right. So for me, I grew up in a household where um, my, my cousins that were all older than me, they all already played video games. So, you know, my, my brother um, who was alive before I was, he passed away. Unfortunately, um, he had a Sega Genesis and that was passed on to me once I was, you know, once I started gaming and, um, you know, along with uh, like a PlayStation one that I had, and then my cousin had an N64. And then I had another cousin that had another console. I think it was like a super Nintendo. So I just would always play all these different games with them. So I I grew up kind of in that area from like early to mid nineties, like those consoles. So N64, um, and PlayStation one were probably the biggest ones. So I was playing a lot of Tekken two. We were playing a lot of smash brothers, Mario party, just like the, in that era of, of games is probably pretty much where I grew up. What's your favorite genre outside of fighting? Uh, my favorite genre outside of fighting games, jeez. Um, I, I would probably say RPGs, action RPGs. Uh, my favorite video game. Anybody who knows anything about me knows my favorite game series of all time is Kingdom Hearts. So I'm a I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. <laughs> um, what would you like to see in terms of like? Would you see something like? Because now that Square has worked with um, Marvel, Disney. Um, there was someone mentioning that they have so many IPs involved that Kingdom Hearts can do a fighting game. Is that something you want to see? I would absolutely <laughs> love that. Yes, please see me in that. I will dedicate every ounce of my time that I possibly have when I'm not working <laughs> on KI stuff to that. Absolutely. You will see the darkest eyes you've ever seen in your entire life if that game were to ever happen. Yes. 110%. Um, (laughs) That's good. Um, I know another one of your favorites is Mortal Kombat. You mentioned Onaga. Um, Yes. Is it something you still try to get involved with or is this Killer Instinct you're like your total life right now? Um, It's pretty much all KI right now. Um, I do have a... Uh, a soft spot in my heart for the NRS community. I always have um, when I made my introduction. And you know, I mean, well, initially, before I got into Killer Instinct, the game that got me into competitive fighting games was Injustice 1. Okay. So I technically am an NRS kid at heart. Um, I just happened to go into the direction of having an Xbox One over a PS4. So I didn't you know, play a lot of MKX or anything like that at tournaments. I was playing, I was playing KI. And uh, man, I, I, I love what they did with... Um, you know, Injustice 2 and MKX and MK11. I just don't have the time for it right now. Um, but I, I do love seeing those games thrive and seeing the community as active as it is and all the big tournaments that they're having. I know they're having a big tournament in the Ukraine that's coming up um, with like a 60,000 pot bonus. That's going to be very exciting to watch. So hmm. I do love MK. I was watching your video and uh, in the intro, you mentioned uh, traveling around at such an age, uh, such a young age. Um, and from what it sounds like, you, you did a lot to get the tournaments. Um, what was that like? Like, just the feeling of being on the road was like your parents always contacting you, with family, making noise, letting you, for trying to find out if you're safe. Um, was there any anxiety your first couple of times? Like, what was that like? Um, at first, it was it wasn't too bad because I wasn't going very far. So uh, my first ever major that I ever went to was NEC 2014. Um, it was my first time playing at a major for Killer Instinct. I had played at one off, uh, maybe one or two offlines for KI, like locals in my state. 
um, run by new challengers at the time. Mm -hmm. And before that, you know, that was it. All I had was online experience. And I finally made it out to NEC where I met a couple people there that I knew from Connecticut. And then it was just a whole bunch of people from online. Like, oh, you're this gamer tag. You're this gamer tag. And a lot of it was me putting names to faces. But the traveling itself wasn't bad because it was just Connecticut to Pennsylvania. It was like a four hour drive. I had already been out that far before just going places in life. And it was just like, okay, well, this isn't too bad. Um, so the first, the first time I went there to NEC, that, that wasn't bad. Um, but the couple times after I started going a little bit further, it was like, oh, there's NEC, but, uh, there's that wrestling event down there in Florida. That'd be pretty cool to go to. I'm a huge wrestling buff. So I, uh, found out about a Facebook group at the time that existed called, um, uh, FGC Rideshare. I, I don't know if that still exists. It probably doesn't exist right now because there's no reason for it, right? right. But uh, I, I met somebody by the name of Jahan, and he helped me find a group of people that were driving down there from Harlem, New York. So I hopped on a train about an hour and a half out of the way from Connecticut, where I live, and then got into a van with a bunch of strangers, paid them to take me to Orlando, Florida, and back, and it was about 40 hours worth of traveling. <laughs> that was a little nerve-wracking in the middle of the summer, hot, oh, sweaty, man. stinky van Ooh. with people who I didn't know right away. I kind of maybe knew some people from like watching them in tournaments, but right. didn't know them, know them, and this was our first encounter. It was an interesting, interesting weekend. Yeah. Was it like, this is life? Like, is this what my life yeah. is now? I got to be in the mystery van for like... <laughs> The mystery machine. <laughs> mystery machine yeah, yeah man yeah i really it was it was surreal to me and looking back on it like you know being in that van like people like you know you're, you're sleeping in the van and people are taking turns driving people are falling asleep on top of each other because there's no room you're so cramped and oh my god it's it's hot and it's the it's the middle of june or july oh, i forget yeah. which and it's just bad and you're going down to florida <laughs> it, it, it got it got rough yeah it was definitely really rough and i remember looking outside and seeing palm trees and i was like oh we're here and then driving for like another three hours to get into actual <laughs> orlando it was like yeah. oh it was brutal it was your first time down there Yes, that was my first time going that far out of like you know the the New England area. Anyway, so you did that, and then you mentioned you placed it. You placed ninth in that tournament. Was yeah. the traveling part of that? Did that you think you could have been better? You think you did well? Um, I th I think a lot of it was anxiety because. I was a very anxious person when I first started competing. I had a lot of social anxiety and I was really not comfortable around being around so many people at once and then much less playing on stream in front of several thousands, sometimes <laughs> tens of thousands of people. Yes. And, you know, the, the fear of having all those people seeing me lose and stuff like that. It was very real, real for me at the time. I was a 19 year old kid and I was just trying to have a good time playing video games and I wanted to do the best that I could. But it was also swelteringly hot. I don't even know if that's a word. Terribly hot in, <laughs> in Florida, and uh, I wasn't I wasn't ready for that kind of heat. Um, we get pretty pretty nasty humidity in the summer here in Connecticut, but nothing like Florida. It felt like a dog was breathing on me from all directions. Oh. It was rough. <laughs> it was rough. So I, I will say, every time I go down to CEO, I always take into account the heat. So I, I made sure that I was always always comfortable, but I was definitely not prepared for it. And that ninth place was pretty salty. Yeah, yep. I it's funny because I I see you in tournaments. When I go to tournaments these days, I don't get to talk a lot because I'm always broadcasting, right? But I watch people. Like when I have downtime, I'm watching people, watching players run to their game, converse, play, talk, whatever. And 
I always see you. You're like a block of ice. You're cool. Like you're just there. (laughs) Who am I going to be next? So it's interesting to hear about having anxiety, which is a real thing. I think anyone that plays in a tournament setting, offline tournament setting, there's a level of, of anxiety that can really like crush you. Like, and uh, especially being on stream, I would hate the th- first time. I probably played on stream during my c- competitive times, maybe four or five times ever. You know, where it was a local. Mm-hmm. I think once at a major. You know, it's it's nerve wracking. So, so I totally get that. I totally get that. But it's a stark contrast from what I see when I do see you at events. It's interesting. Cool. All right. I get, I put on a good show then because <laughs> yeah. it's definitely the other way around. I still to this day get the jitters and. Um, my, my, my thing about it is that I try to stay positive about it. And from my understanding, from everybody that I've had interactions with that feel the same way I do, most people feel this way than not. I think most people kind of have some sort of form of anxiety being around a lot of people, especially at an event where, you know, you're competing and everybody can see you and, you know, there's no hiding anything. You can't pull out the ethernet cable and be like, that didn't happen. (laughs) Uh, no, everybody sees the mistakes that you're making. So it's a little, it's a little worrisome. Um, and I do, like I said, I do think it's relatable. So I try to keep that in mind and I try to make sure that people understand if I could be that person is like, Hey, it's okay. I make mistakes too. You know, it's, I, I've dropped combos in front of tens of thousands of people and I kept it going. You know what I mean? You just have to keep moving forward. Besides rage quitting in person is a lot more spectacular than at home. I've seen it a couple times. Yes. seen it a couple times. So why killer instinct? Uh, when you when you first described it to me, the first thing that came to mind was you played it out of necessity, right? Because you had an Xbox, you didn't have a PlayStation at the time, and um, mm-hmm. we had Street Fighter Five, which is exclusive to the PS4. So a part of me says necessity, but with your dedication, it had to be much more than that. So what brings you to Killer Instinct initially, and why did you did you start to travel this path? For me, Killer Instinct was all about the the level of creativity that you can have in that game. Because if you look at some of the I'm not going to point out any game in particular right now because I think it applies to many. But if you look at a lot of the games we have these days, I do feel like there is a very sound, static way to play the game at its most in its most optimal way. Like there's a there's a a, a, cl- a cut clear path which may be very difficult to do. But if you play this way, you're going to be better than 99.99% of people. Um, with Killer Instinct, I don't always feel like that's the truth. I feel like there's so many different ways to be a good Killer Instinct player that I think the level of creativity is just endless. It is such a deep game. And, um, you know, you, you could take, it, it, I would love to see, you know, somebody like Sonic Fox or Daigo or a top player from an, another series that's really well known to really get their hands dirty with KI and kind of mess around with it just to see, you know, where they fall. Cause I don't, I don't really think it's the type of game that everybody could be good at. It's a very, very specific kind of, it's kind of niche, but it's, it's very specific and it's got a lot of madness in it. Um, a lot of people would compare it to like if Marvel versus Capcom three was a one v one game, like that level of craziness with the instinct system and the way that you can, you know, abuse the the combo system and the mechanics and stuff like that. Um, and just with the reads too, with combo breakers and counter breakers, that's another level of creativity. Um, I feel like a lot of players are 
very scared of making reads and they want to play it as safe as possible, you have to make reads in Killer Instinct. You're constantly making reads in Killer Instinct. You're constantly not only learning, like if you know your matchups, that's only going to carry you 50% of the way because you have to know your opponent too. And you have to learn your opponent along the way. If you're fighting somebody you've never fought before in a three out of five set, you have to learn them in that three, that three out of five set completely. I think that game is very anxiety inducing. I think there's a big scramble in that game. Uh, yep. Especially during the neutral. Uh, but but that's what makes makes it unique, right? It makes it stand out, right? Um, with this game, what is your play? Like, what is your play style like? And if you can, can you describe other effective play play styles and how they mesh against yours? For people that don't know Ki too well, and as you're saying, you're it's it's a game that stands stands on its own. So you want to kind of show people why it's probably a good question for that sure yeah so my overall play style i would compare it because i am very inspired by this player um just watching them for so many years in street fighter um i'm very heavily inspired by kazunoko um who is somebody that some people would consider him a genius and some people would some people would consider him like to be maybe more of a psychopath <laughs> because of the reads that he makes and how unsafe he can be sometimes. But I feel like he takes those reads because he gauges his level of risk reward so efficiently. And I feel like I can relate to that because I do feel like if you're the type of player who never takes risks, you're so much easier to manipulate because you now have this empty layer uh, with, a, with a lack of offense. You know what I mean? You're not presenting that to your opponent like he's not willing to do it so i'm going to take advantage of that but so, is it a lack of offense or lack of creativity could be a mixture of both okay. maybe a mixture of both depending on the player depending on the game depending on the circumstance um but when i watch Ko's kazunoko and i see him wake up dp six times in a row and it works every time <laughs> it's because his opponent doesn't believe it's going to work six times in a row right but he won the game with it and now their opponent's shaking their head like I really didn't block one wake up DP. I guess she didn't, but that's the that's the way I like to play. Is I I like to make my opponents second guess themselves, and once I earn their you know like okay this guy's willing to do it, then I start playing more methodically, and then the, my gears start turning in different ways, and I really like to manipulate the ground game a little bit more. Or you know if I'm playing Fulgor and I see that they got this this one normal that does like their their god button, their one normal that they're using neutral a lot, then I'm gonna stand right outside the range of it and just chuck that fast fireball right in their face okay so okay. <laughs> a lot of that a lot of a lot plasma of chucking um oh yeah i used to go around tournaments and just make fun of jago and you know and the cook and i just see screaming it all the time and people look at me like what's wrong with this guy that's nuts <laughs> um i was gonna say so you're in this community and you're playing this game when did you start to realize I could actually be really good at this? Like, what was that turning point? Um, you, I, I don't really know that there was one. I, I remember playing the game online a lot and I would play against the people that were doing well offline, that were traveling. They were traveling more than I was. And early on, that was people like Rico Suave, CD Jr. Mm -hmm. um, th those players were the people that I was playing with a lot online. I would see Rico streaming. I would play with Rico in a stream. He would whoop my ass and it would be whatever it is. I would see CD Jr. at my locals before I even started traveling. And I would play with CD Jr. at these locals and I would do okay. I would hold my own. And it would be like, you know what? If I can hold, on, hold my own against somebody who won Evo, 
I think I might be able to, you know, get better at this game. And I learned along the way that, you know, not everybody has to be CD Jr. to, to beat me. So I, I learned that there's levels and ceilings you have to break through. And if you hit a plateau, then that means there's another place for you that's waiting for you ahead. You just have to find that way to break through. It's going to be different for everybody every single time. It's all situational, of course. And I just I, I put my nose to the grindstone and I travel to as many tournaments as I can. I meant, I entered as many online tournaments as I can. And eventually, one thing led to another. I started going to these tournaments. Finally made my first top eight offline at TFC 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, I got fourth place. I beat Chris G and Alex Valle along the way. And I already had great respect for those players, uh, knowing their history in the Street Fighter and uh, in the Street Fighter community and every other fighting game that they've touched. Um, and just knowing that I did that was was a big, like, okay, I made a top eight and I beat these players. I'm going to stick with this. And one thing led to another and fourth place turned into the third place, third place turned into the second place. And eventually I started winning majors. That's the natural progression of things. Uh, along the way, you might have to come across uh, what we call a demon possibly and beat them along the way to get to that victory. Um, yeah. Sometimes some you never your, beat that demon. You never, yeah. Sometimes you never. And sometimes you win because your demon is not there. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, right. That's happened. I've been called out on that a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. People are always going to call out and possibly hate, you know, because sometimes someone out there believes that your victory isn't earned because X person wasn't there, you know. But it is what oh, yeah. it is. A win's a win. You deserved it. You worked hard. And Correct. People I've, like I've me. been discredited. I've been discredited time and time again for my uh, my false finishes, if you mm-hmm. will, victories that weren't supposed to be mine. If so and so didn't show up, but I played the people in front of me, yep. and I made sure I beat everybody that was there. And if they weren't there, then they couldn't have beaten me on that day. That's exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't beat you that day. It is what it is. Correct. Um. So the Killer Instinct revival. We're looking at what ten years since the last one, ten fifteen, between. The, uh, the beginning of the, our recent iteration and what Killer Instinct Gold it was, I think, for 64. So you kind of yep. have this like, just this new wave of people. You might have someone from back then jumping into this game. They might have an edge, some fundamentals outside of regular fighting game fundamentals. So mm-hmm. did you feel like you was already on the upper echelon of the field when you started playing or one of the first ones to get there or because you're more well-versed in the community than I am, um, were there people already established and maybe even gatekeeping at a point or was it everyone on equal footing? Um, It's definitely different for everybody because if you, if you look at people like myself, Bass, Thompson, and Sleep, we all made our careers in Killer Instinct and None of us were, I mean, we it's, we probably played other fighting games, right? But that was our big break, was Killer Instinct. Hmm. Um, the people that started out early on in Season 1, obviously, you're Justin Wong's. That I don't, needs no introduction. Right. Uh, My God, who was a EVO finalist for MK9. Uh, CD Jr., same thing. Rico Suave, multiple-time major tournament winner for you know multiple games. He's you know, in Street Fighter 4, Top 8s, uh, Injustice 1, won tournaments. So... 
early on, uh, the game started out with the people who were already good at fighting games were doing the best. Right. Um, then the game got more involved and you know the community as itself started to grow and the people that were really grinding the game were beating those top players in other games now because they were the true like you know killer instinct. I'm going to dedicate as much time to this as possible. And the people like Rico Suave and CD Junior they still stuck around for a very long time and they were you know still to this day as far as I'm concerned the best killer instinct players of all time. But um, you know these players that really came out of the woodwork. You know your bases and your sleeps. People that might you know might not have been known about prior to Killer Instinct. Um, they put just as much hard work into this game as they did into those other games. So they, you know, they earned their spots and I kind of did the same thing. I had a little bit of knowledge about fighting games, but most of everything that I learned came from this game. And then I applied it to every other fighting game that I touched afterwards. So for me, I didn't have any advantages by playing Killer Instinct when I started playing Killer Instinct because I was going up against players who were already playing fighting games for however many years, some of them, you know, over a decade, if that. Um, So for me... Um, I never thought about it as me having a disadvantage. I just always thought about it. Okay, I just need to keep learning. And, you know, one thing eventually led to another. And I, I got to that level where I, I even at the playing field that my KI knowledge matched their KI knowledge. And their their level of fighting game prowess only meant so much because we're in Killer Instinct right now. So your Street Fighter and your Tekken and your Marvel skills aren't going to help you here. They might, you know, aid you in some situations, but they will not be winning you games. That's for sure understood completely um there is a level for fundamentals to work i'm not going to name the player because someone i know and i know he's still salty about this to this day but he basically got beaten out of a big top 16 tournament strictly by fundamentals against someone who was a good player generally but in my opinion probably shouldn't be in top 16 and carried he got carried because of its fun, fundamentals. So there's a level, but like you said, you were there from the beginning. You surpassed that fundamental play that these uh, older players had, had brought into the community. And you started being on par or maybe even better because you devoted your time to KI and learned the ins and outs and applied the creativity that we talked about. So... You made it, definitely made a name for yourself. You, Bass, uh, Sleep, all those guys. I can now see, see the, the creativity and how you're able to surpass, like I said, those gatekeepers and become leaders in your community in the game. Thank you. It, t- it took a lot of hard work, and I think it, you know I can speak for all of us when I say that, that we kind of, you know, at this point, you know, we're the... We, tr- we try to be at least the pillars of this community without tooting my own horn, of course, um, because I do think that we draw in the people that want to play this game now. Um, they're not going to go to Justin Wong for KI experience anymore because he's you know no longer playing the game and he's just not you know an active part of the community. Right. So you know you're going to go to the people who are the most recent tournament winners, that being people like myself, Sleep and Base. Um, so that's you know that's kind of how it works nowadays. I'm not going to assume this answer. Of course, I'm going to ask you, um, who is your biggest rival in the community? (laughs) Oh, man. There are so many answers to that question, but I think we all know that the answer is Thompson. Um, Thompson is the player that we were we always played the game back since 2015 i play with thompson all the time online casuals at tournaments stuff like that never thought anything of it 
come combo breaker 2016 he made it to winner side grand finals i made it to loser side grand finals uh i reset the bracket against him three to two uh and then i had a 2-0 lead after the reset and he beat me th- he reversed 3-0'd me after the reset so he won combo breaker 2016 and that's a moment that uh, to this day, I still daydream about just because of how surreal it was. Um, there's no longer any negative connotations to that moment because I went and won myself a goddamn combo breaker. But that's another story. Right. Um, with Thompson being my demon, I, w- I was then going to meet him at a bunch of other tournaments after that because it was KI World Cup season. There was a, you know, the, the, the World Cup was happening. There was a circuit with, you know, rankings and points and such. So wherever Thompson was, I was. There was no, okay, well, somebody else is going to hopefully beat Thompson. I had to be the one to do it because I was always, almost, almost always in grand finals with him. There were a couple of times where somebody, people, you know, somebody, somebody would stop me before I got to him or whatever the case may be. But, you know, for the most part, if it was me versus Thompson, it would always be three something in his favor, whether it be three, two, three, one, three, oh, that happened more than once Mm -hmm. Um, for, for the, the better part of four years. I was losing to Thompson over and over and over and over. And I kept it in the back of my mind. What do I need to do to beat this guy? How, what am I doing wrong with Fulgore? Do I need to pick another character? What is the deal with this guy and his Jago? And he had taken very, very few L's in his tenure because he was just so consistent. I mean, he's, he's won CEO combo breaker. Uh, he, he won uh, so many different tournaments, NEC, uh, mm-hmm. KIT. He won three times in a row, three times in a row. He won KIT um so just all all around just uh somebody that i was very very knowledgeable of and i did a lot of studying and it seemed like no matter how much footage i watched and how much i tried to break it break it down whenever we got to that stage and we played in that top eight whether it was winner's side grand finals or you know wherever i was in the bracket um i was always like in my mind i'm playing thompson now and it was a journey. And if you watch that YouTube video that I posted, my killer instinct journey, you'll see the, the progression mm-hmm. and how it started from May of 2016, all the way up until the very end of the video where the last segment is me. Finally, finally, after four years beating Thompson offline. And that was, that was KIT this year, KIT 2020. I finally beat Thompson. I beat him three Oh, and that was a very surreal moment. It was so surreal that I actually ended up losing the tournament <laughs> because we weren't in grand finals yet. <laughs> We were playing for fourth place and I finally beat Thompson. Then I had to play bass right after that. And I was just like, I, I exerted all my energy on that. I don't think I can keep playing. <laughs> You're just fighting strong player after strong player, which is tough. And why I never understood like the whole discrediting of players. Like, yeah, none of these tournaments are quote unquote free. I don't care who's playing or not playing. There's someone right. there who's really earned their spot and you have to get past them. Um, before this episode, we did uh, Cane Blue River, and we talked about, you know, him being discredited as an Evo champion. And I said, Correct. I would never discredit a champion that had to go through Justin Wong. Correct. <laughs> in any game. In any game, okay? I don't care Absolutely. if Justin doesn't play the game, you know. I would never discredit it, but alas, this is where we are in the community. Uh as a whole, not in KI only. But right. um, new content or new game, if you had a choice right now? Oh, man. Um, 
You know, the whole new game thing scares me because I know Iron Galaxy isn't going to be in development. They've been stating this for years. Um, they will not be making the next Killer Instinct uh, title. So that kind of scares me because I don't know if that we're going to get the same level of passion and creativity and just, I don't know, good game balance overall that we got with, with Iron Galaxy. So I, I, that worries me a little bit. New content isn't also going to happen, but if I had to choose, I would probably pick new content just because there are some some things in the game, just like any modern fighting game, where there could be some adjustments. Um, there are some things that I would say are worth taking a look at. Uh, even like minor things like bug fixes, there are some things like that that do affect gameplay in some ways or another, where some characters, even if they're good characters, they have these bugs that can't really... Uh, you know, it's almost like a 50-50, like, oh, is the bug going to happen when I do this ender? Am I going to get an accidental not cash out my opponent's damage? Like, that mm. happens from time to time. So there's a couple things like that that I wish could be fixed. Um, and then the other thing would be, as great as the netcode is, um, for, some, for, for some instance, the Xbox and the Windows 10 version, I do notice the lobby system is a little shaky. Uh, sometimes you can't fit all eight people in there and some people get kicked at random times. I do feel like there's a little bit of an issue with that, that may be a, a server thing. I see no issues with it on Steam. Every time I play on the Steam version, that's fine. So maybe that would be like a Microsoft fix. I'm not exactly sure how that could be fixed. But other than that, I think, I think you know, if I had to choose between the two, it'd probably be a, a content update. Um, maybe some new costumes would be cool, something to spice up the game a little bit. Nothing crazy. What was your favorite match? You had to pick one match. A uh, match that I was in? Yeah. Or you can, give, oh, me, you can give me one of your favorite KI, period. But give me one that you were in. Oh, man. My favorite match of all time. That's a that's a hard one because there's win so, so many good ones. Oh, man. Win or lose, too? No, win or man, lose. I'll, I, yeah. I'll, I'll give you one of each. Um, so my favorite one where I lost... Probably SCR 2016, where I fought Thompson in grand finals, and uh, I was trying to reset the bracket. Uh, this was before the bracket reset that didn't end up coming, but the score was 2-1 to one in his favor, and he had a huge life lead on me. And uh, I zoned the crap out of him. I was zoning him like I never zoned before. I was sitting on full meter with full gore, and he just ate chip for a long, long time. Uh, for at least like 40 or 50 KI seconds, which if you watch KI, that's a oh, long man. time. Because one KI... One KI second is like three real life seconds. So it was a very long time I was zoning him. And just He was just eating chip and just content to take the chip. And then once I almost tied up the life lead, um, he started moving forward. And he was like, okay, I can't take this anymore. And uh, I, I I got one good mix up and I had the life lead. And then he was coming towards me and he landed on a hype beam. And I, I hit a hype beam for, for to tie it up two to two before the last game. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, did not win the set, but... That was one of my favorite matches of all time because I remember Justin Wong in the crowd and I turned around and I looked at him and I, I popped off. Probably did the, the, the let's effing go, the, the yeah, usual yeah. FGC. And uh, I saw his face and he was he was pretty proud of that. So <laughs> I thought I thought that was a good moment. Um, and then my, my favorite one that I won has to be has to be CEO 2017 um, against Storm because Storm was somebody that beat me at the KI World Cup. Uh, earlier that year where I was the number one seed. I had all the points. I ranked number one out of all the players in the world. And uh, Storm came out of nowhere and bamboozled me. He beat me in winners and he beat me in losers. And I got fourth place. So at CEO 2017, not only was I at my favorite event because I love wrestling and I got to be in a wrestling ring, but I beat somebody that I considered my nemesis and somebody who beat me last time. And I returned the favor. I beat him double jeopardy and I got myself a CEO belt. So that will always forever stick with me because of that.
That's what's up. I like to hear stories like that. So great. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Um, so now that we're here, we're here in 2020, uh, and you have this, it's a, it's, a, it's a training, right, for new KI players, right? Yeah. Um, where do you want this to go eventually? I mean, we know the game more or less is not going to be updated for now. Uh, if there's a new game, we don't know who's doing it. So is it just to continue the legacy of KI and get people into it? Like, is there an end game for this? Right. So for me, my end goal is that I want the community to be, to be booming again to the point where, you know, that early season one kick where everybody was playing it. Um, I wanted to get back to that point again to, well, even if not everybody's playing it again, but to have such a strong community that we get to the point where somebody does want to make a new killer instinct, you know what I mean? To show that we deserve a new game because we've had this game for seven years and there's still tournaments happening and there's still online events with pop bonuses and a whole community dedicating to people that are, that want to learn the game. So seven years later, tell me another game that's out there right now. That's, you know, has all that going on. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's booming. It's actually like, you know, it's it's a small, tight-knit community, but the numbers are increasing. I've seen it. I've seen newcomers come in, people that have never even played fighting games before that come into my stream and they're like, what's Killer Instinct? What are, you know, what's the FGC? And I'm like, yeah. if you found a great place to start, my friend, Killer Instinct <laughs> is a great place to start. So I, I, I see the proof. It's, it's you know, guaranteed to happen. It is a slow climb and Killer Instinct isn't as, um, you know, it's not as mainstream as your Street Fighter community is or your Mortal Kombat community is. So, yes, of course, we don't have the big you know, the big companies supporting us, right? But ultimately, I would love for this to lead into a company being like, you know what, that Killer Instinct community, they've got a lot going on. Uh, let's, let's you know, grab the bull by the horns and, you know, let's make this happen and we'll crank out a new game. So ultimately, I would love for there to be another Killer Instinct. Um, I'm, like I said, I do have my, my fears and my worries about it. Uh, which I don't know if it's going to lead into more of a competitive career for me because I don't know if that's going to be as lucrative or if maybe I'm going to want to hop on the mic and stay on the mic for that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. But down the line, more Killer Instinct is not a bad thing. So if, if we you know, uh, if we do cross that bridge at that point and we do get a new game, I'm all for it. What's your FGC Dark Secret? What's your favorite game that no one knows about that you play in the side, no one's looking, that you really like? Man, that's there's a couple answers to that question. Um, <laughs> there's a couple <laughs> answers to that question. Ultimately, I would say my favorite game that's not Killer Instinct. Uh, I don't know if this is much of a dark secret, but um, I I love Fantasy Strike. Okay, I love Fantasy Strike. That's a very lesser known game, I would say, uh, created by Serlin Games. But I tried it out for the first time at SCR 2017. And I fell in love with that game. The simplicity of the, the controls and the way you actually play the game and, and how deep it actually can be, um, that game is amazing. And it reminded me a lot of Killer Instinct, the way it's very heavily read-based. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are very similar from other fighting games, like characters, uh, tool sets that they might have similar, oh, this guy's inspired by a Guilty Gear character, or this guy's inspired by Ryu, or, you know, this guy's inspired by uh, your your typical grappler. So it, there are character archetypes that, you know, if you play other fighting games, you're going to be familiar with, right? But for mm -hmm. me, I play it because 
at the highest level, it is very challenging and you have to be good at reading people and matchups will only mean so much because you, I've, I've seen games over in two seconds. You know, the, there's 60 seconds on the clock and I've seen people win in two seconds with 58 seconds left on the clock. Um, if you make the right reads, you can kill somebody right away. It's incredible to see. So uh, not so much of a dark secret, but I will throw that one out there that I, I love Fantasy Strike. You have any uh, FTC personalities in, in and out of KI, friends, people that you made that you really look up to, that you admire, just watch them as an, indiv- as an indiv- individual, how they carry themselves in the community, their gameplay, anybody along those lines? Sure. I, I'm, I'm going to do a whole spiel on this because uh, it's well-deserved. Um, my favorite fighting game player of all time, uh, inside and outside is coach Steve. Okay. And, um, it has so, there's so much that goes into this one for me because it goes, it goes beyond just watching him play at a high level in so many different games. Um, before I even got any good at KI, I knew who coach Steve was when he was going by insane, um, watching NLBC, watching his Blanca and street fighter four, watching his Nova and Marvel three, you know, top eight Evo. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's so much more than that, but it's because of it for me, like I talked about this a little bit earlier. It's about how relatable he is and how he shows how he's human. And when he makes mistakes, how he responds to them and the way that he treats every situation that he deals with in every fighting game that he deals with and how um, how much I think that as much as we are competitors, uh, we're performers too. And you know, there's, a, there's a little bit of an art style to this because yes. when you play a game a certain way, you play with your style. You know what I mean? Not everybody plays Ryu the same way. Not everybody plays... Uh, they're Marvel teams. If they play all three characters, uh, it's the exact mirror match. Some some guys Ryu might be different than this, this other guy's Ryu. This guy's Zero is different than this guy's Zero. Whatever. Coach Steve has such personality in each game that he plays that it's almost artistic. And I think that for me, as an artist and a competitor, where there's two totally different worlds, um, it's sometimes indistinguishable. And it's just it's beautiful to see. Um, I, I look up to him for many reasons. That being one of them. Um, for him as a person, I know we we deal with a lot of the same struggles, um, you know, personal demons and stuff like that involved. So he 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 keeps me grounded, man. Even if we're not speaking face to face or we're not even talking at that time, you know, I think about like Coach Steve a lot because he he's very he's very forward and he's very positive and um, stuff like that. Having having a role model like that in the community for me, um, you know, I never felt alone. I never felt like I was ever fighting a battle by myself. I always felt like I had a support system with friends that I, you know, was, I was comfortable with. And, you know, there was people that always took care of me. And, um, you know, Coach Steve is one of those people, eventually became a great friend of mine. And I was like, you know, shocked at first, because this is, you know, here's somebody that I look up to, one of my fighting game, you know, one of my FGC heroes, if you will, somebody that I look up to as a player. And then I get to know the person too. And I have the honor and the pleasure of being able to know an amazing person like Coach Steve. And that's, um, that honestly, has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. So for, for without a doubt, um, you know, that, that, that answers just every single question that anybody could ever ask about that. So pound for pound. Yeah. It's gotta be coach Steve. I am going to clip this and use this to get him on the show because he's been like, uh, I don't know if I want to be on the show. <laughs> he'd be a little diva right now. You know, well, I, I know <laughs> coach Steve. I love him. Definitely. He's definitely deserving of your praise. He's a great guy. Um, he's yep. the top of the list for you. Anyone else? Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of the people I would say, like, uh, you know, my personal heroes, like people that I, I really just look up to in general, 
Um, one of the big names I have to put out there is le- maybe a little bit lesser known, but his name is Charbok. Um, yeah. He was at my, my first ever Killer Instinct event ever before I even went to a major. He was there playing KI, playing Street Fighter Four. He was involved in the local scene here in Connecticut, uh, the Connecticut FGC, uh, a couple of years before I got involved. So I came in like when KI was around, but he came in, he's like an 09er. So he was around you know, for the beginning of Street Fighter Four. So he had a couple of years of experience on me. And uh, I always, you know, treated him with, uh, you know, utmost respect as a competitor for that because he was always able to kick my ass in Street Fighter. Even if we were going neck and neck in KI for a while, he was always, you know, able to beat me in that game. And to this day, there's there's games that you know, I can't touch him in. You know, right right now, one of those games is Mortal Kombat. Uh, you know, as, as somebody who was decent at Mortal Kombat at one point, mm-hmm. he's been on the grind. He's somebody that I can't beat anymore. He's He's gotten really friggin' good. So, um, you know, it, just as a friend, as a competitor, as a rival – all these different things he's just been you know he's, he's been great to me so i i have to put him up there too um just because i, I you know people would be like oh daigo or uh tokido you know all these great players but um i always you know i always feel like the people that are most relatable to me are the people that i see go through similar things that i go through and that are re- relatable you know and there's there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of personal feelings for me for that there and i i do think that's like the most important thing is like you know, if uh, if I find somebody that I see as a competitor and I think that their gameplay is cool, sure, that's fine. But then if I see them in like a, you know, a social situation or if I get to meet them and I actually get to have an experience with that person and, you know, really like kind of see, you know, wh- like what makes them, you know, think and like get to pick their brain a little bit. That's that's the good stuff right there. So <laughs> he's very like minded and I, I, I have the utmost respect for him in the world. So uh, going to have to go with Charbok as well. He's the homie. Good stuff. Um, your favorite venues or TOs tournaments? Oh man, uh, there's no bad answer for this really because okay. I love all of them, man. I could give shout outs to so many. Obviously, Rick from Combo Breaker has been nothing but gracious towards the Killer Instinct community. I love Rick. Um, I love Jabaley. Saint for the, all the same reasons. I love Big E. Big E was one of the first people I ever met in the FGC as far as going to a major. He was super cool to me being there at my first ever KI tournament. Um, KI major, that is. He hosted <laughs> NEC that year, and it was awesome. And I've had a great relationship with Big E ever since. Uh, I could also talk about um, Ian and Beely from KIT. Mm-hmm. I, I love them, too. Those are both my homies. And uh, they have been so, so good to the KI community and to me. Uh, incredibly good to me over the past couple of years. I, I, don't, I, I don't know where i would be without those guys those guys are incredible human beings um pound for pound though i'm gonna have to give it up to maybe one of the lesser known ones but it's gonna have to be walter aka bacardi ran the new challengers events back in connecticut back you know for for years and years and years now he's you know in the inner workings a little bit with nrs and doing some other behind the scenes stuff and you always see him you know running around with a vip badge and he's the homie for sure he's a he's a big pillar here in the connecticut fighting game community and uh, I, I always have to give it to him because of his level of dedication and how much he actually cares about things being run right. And, uh, you know, of course, working with ECT, ECT basically became his baby. Um, he's uh, he's working with all that stuff now. And the ECT exhibitions this year are all very cool to see. I'm going to have to give it to Walter on that one for overall. That's uh, that's my FGC dad right there. <laughs> he, looks at, <laughs> he looks at all my important stuff, man. He's helped me with contracts. He's helped me with... Uh, everything that I've ever done in the FGC is just like, nah, Nikki, I don't think you should really do that. Like, all right, Walter. Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, so he's, he's, he's like, uh, he's like my rock in a lot of ways. 
I, I don't want to talk about your current sponsor, but what has your journey been being a part of different sponsorships, different teams? You mentioned contracts. Um, for people who aspire to be sponsored because they feel they are good and deserving of it, are there any tips you can give the aspiring player, things to look out for, things to expect when dealing with sponsors and sponsorships? Yeah, I, I went through this a couple times. Um, don't sign the very first contract that you ever see. And I don't mean like don't sign it, period, but don't sign it as soon as you you see an email that says, hey, I got a contract in my email from somebody that DM me on Twitter with 50 followers. Um, <laughs> don't sign that contract. Have somebody look at it. And if you don't know somebody that can look at it, hire somebody to look at it. I promise you it'll be worth it. Um, there are so many different ways in esports, not even just in the FGC. There are so many different ways in esports that you could get scammed and ripped off and taken advantage of. And the more you realize that not everybody wants to be your friend, uh, the more you realize this business can be very scary. Um, so I do think that it's important that if you are a great player and you have the skills to pay the bills and you want to make that nice, uh, that 5K a month salary, 10K a month salary, whatever it is they're paying you in any esport, um, don't sign the first contract that you get. <laughs> don't, you know, just you chill out, you know, appreciate that you got, we were given the opportunity that somebody considered you, somebody, somebody somewhere saw you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was lucky enough, I was very fortunate enough that the first contract that I saw, uh, which I did make this mistake and I did sign, was a very good contract and I was taken care of for very, very many years. Um, and, I'm, you know, that was that was then. I can't say anything else about it. Right. So for, for that point, um, I will say I got very lucky. You might not get that lucky. You might get somebody who's willing, who wants to take advantage of you that wants mm -hmm. to, you know, send you all these different places without any kind of like, travel reservations or anything like that and leave you straddled. I've heard FGC horror stories of people being stranded at events, <laughs> oh, yeah. not being able to get flights back home. Oh my gosh. I've, I've heard some of the worst things. I am so grateful that I've never had to experience any of those things. Worst comes to worst is I maybe had a couple of like delays, like maybe like an eight hour delay at a flight. Yeah. That's, that's nobody's you know, fault. That's, yeah. Nobody's fault. So I, I'm very lucky to say that I have had zero issues with esports as far as the FGC goes. Um, but I, I will say, um, if you do have that opportunity to get sponsored and you're going to be backed by an organization, um, you know, take it seriously because that's that's you know that that becomes your life, that becomes your you know uh, that brand that you're representing now. So you want to you know uh, carry that flag with pride and make sure that you know that you're not just treating it as just like these guys are just my paycheck. Like no, really, like the best players in the world that are a part of a team that the you know that's like their family now. So right. if you really want to be a part of the team, um, you know, if you're doing your best in your game, you know, that's, that's one thing, but you also want to be a part of that family too. And you want to make sure that they feel that way about you, you know, that you're not just there, you know what I mean? So right. if you're, you know, there and you're helping them out and you're simple stuff, do doing advertisements for the product sponsors. If you're uh, taking pictures of the, the, the clothing, stuff like I'm, you know, I'm wearing a Jersey. So same thing. Um, you want to make sure that you're, you know, doing your part, as you know, a part of an organization, if they're, you know, giving you all the support or whatever the benefits might be, you know, you know, play your part, you know, don't be a, don't be a turd. <laughs> don't take advantage of people. Right. Um, you have this, you're cultivating new players and we're in this pandemic right now. No offline events. Boohoo sucks. Um, mm -hmm. What do you say 
to new players, not just anywhere, but because particularly in Killer Instinct, there might be a chance that when we go back to offline events, there might be a, a KI tournament pop-up. Do you think you have to sell the idea of people who've never been to offline tournaments too much? You think it's a hard sell? Or what would you say to someone thinking about going to offline tournament for the first time? Um, you know, that's a tough one. And that's something that I think the KI community kind of struggled with for a while because um, our issue was always numbers. Um, we always had a great online scene, right? Because of our net code. <laughs> and um, the online tournaments were always popping. But for some reason or another, we, we even with pop bonuses, we had several tournaments, you know, big E tournaments, $500 pop bonus, $1,000 pop bonus on top of the registration. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, a, that's a nice check. And I walked away mm-hmm. with a, a good majority of that check sometimes. Um, and people wouldn't want to show up. And I think it's a fear of competition. People are like, I see Tom's and Nikki and Bass are signed up. I'm not even going to go to this. Why would I pay for the flight <laughs> to go out to this tournament? Just to, you, know, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, and I get that. But at the same, in the same notion, I don't. Because I was doing the same thing to fly to these tournaments where I knew I wasn't guaranteed to win, but I was damn sure going to try. And there was nothing that was going to stop me. And seeing their name in the bracket wasn't going to stop me because I wanted to get on their level. No, mm-hmm. actually, I lied. I wanted to get, I wanted to surpass their level. Right. Um, so I was always motivated to do better and get better. So I, I, I never, I never feared like, man, oh God, Daigo's in my pool. I don't want to play anymore. Like, you're going to play your best. Like you have no point. Like there's no point to not play your best. Like you have to, you have to stay positive about everything. And if you're looking to go out to a tournament and you're afraid that you're going to run into a strong player, um, then you're not truly willing to grow. And I think that's, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, You kind of have to face reality and learn from your losses. I mean, at first, when I first started playing NRS games, I sucked. Uh, I came from Killer Instinct, and I was just like, man, well, you know what? I'm a top player in this game, but I got to treat this as a whole new entity because even though I'm a top player in this other game, there's some cats over here that are crazy, and I can't can't be Sonic Fox, and I can't can't beat Forever King right off the rip. So I, I, I knew that, and I took my L's with pride, and I was like, okay, you know what? You, know, you guys are way more experienced than me. I understand why I'm, where and why I'm losing. And eventually I did get a little bit better, and I was able to you know, prove myself in another game. I never got to the top, but I was still proud of what I did. And I do think that you know, with each game that you try out for, you know, if you go to a tournament, enter two or three different games. You know what I mean? If you enjoy those games, get that tournament experience. That's how you get better. Um, the good thing about all this stuff with everything being online is that you have the ability to enter as many tournaments as you want. You know, from, from home, almost all these tournaments are free. Get that tournament experience now. And then when you go to the, the offline event, it's like, all right, you've been here before. You know what it's like to play in a three out of five set. You may have played some of these people on an online setting. Now you get to do it offline where there's a stream. There's hundreds of thousands of people watching. You know, so it's like, why wouldn't you want to? If you, especially if you if you think you are good at something and you are capable of winning, if you have that confident mindset, why wouldn't you want to showcase that you know at the biggest events? Because the offline events always have the the biggest numbers, always. So it's worth it, especially if you want to get your name out there. Like for me, I would not be in this phone call right now if I didn't travel to all these events and I didn't make a name for myself. Right. You just have to go out there and do it. I was a nobody. I was I was Nikki Vengeance before I was just Nikki. I was just some weird kid that happened to like Fold War maybe a little bit too much. And I was giving flipping people the bird with the metal claw in real life. And I was really cringy. And I, I took myself way too seriously. And I uh you know, eventually I got better at the game and I realized like, wow, okay, 
So now I'm here. Okay, seventh place, fifth place, fourth place, third place. We were talking about this earlier. Why don't I just go all the way? Um, anybody could have done that, man. I did, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Not all of the smartest people in the world can make great fighting game players. And not all of the greatest fighting game players are the smartest people in the world. So I really truly believe that if you want to get good at something, like a fighting game, um, it could be anybody. It really could be anybody. You just have to, like I said, you have to put your nose to the grindstone and really figure out what you have to do to get there. You're giving such good advice to everybody that's going to be watching this. What's the best piece of advice you've received in this community for yourself? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) This is probably going to be a funny one. The best piece of advice I ever received. Um... I played a first of five. This was this was eye-opening and life-changing for me. I played a first of five after NEC 2014, my first ever major. I played a first of five with Rico Suave. I don't even know if he remembers this, but thank you, Rico, for this advice. We played a set. It was a first of five for $25. It was a money match. He was up 4-0. We played the Fulgore Mirror, and Fulgore was my only main character. I didn't play anybody else, and he was, full, he was Rico. He was first, second place everywhere he went. So... Rico was already established and he was looking to help me out obviously for a price because it was a money match, but (laughs) it was still (laughs) advice that was well worth the $25. I'd pay it again if I had to. Uh, So Rico Suave is up 4-0 in this set and he's like telling me things as I'm going along and it's like cognitive wheels turning in my head like, okay, I have to absorb this information now. And with each passing game that went on, you know, know, 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, by that fourth game, when he took that last game, it was close. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to start doing some of the stuff that he's doing to me because that's what's working. <laughs> and I really was like listening to him as he was playing. And I tied it up four to four. And this was Rico Suave. This was, you know, one of, if not the best player in the world. Right. Uh, and he ended up winning the last game. And I do feel like that was due to experience because he was so much more comfortable and pressure-filled situations like that than I was, and he ended up taking the money. But then after that set, he was showing me things. He was, like, showing me that I was trying to mash out of plus frames with my own character. He was, like, right. doing stand light kick with Fulgore. He was, like, why are you mashing already? I'm plus two. I could do this twice in a row before I'm out of the range. And I was just, like, this guy is right. And then I started looking at things, like, you know, one by one by one and started taking everything situation by situation as opposed to forcing everything into a crazy scramble situation like you can in Killer Instinct. But I started paying more attention to these things and I started being more methodical. And uh, yeah, so I I think about that a lot. And sometimes I will catch myself falling into bad habits because it can happen. You know what I mean? I'm not uh, I'm not a fighting game god. I just got good enough to be able to win a couple tournaments. And now I'm here. But I do hear Rico's voice in my head sometimes like, I'm plus two. Why are you mashing? Like, <laughs> I can't do what Rico Suave impersonation, but it would sound, you know, that though, if you could, if you could hear his voice, that's what it would sound like. Cause that's, that's what he said to me. And, uh, you know, yo, the, uh, young boy, Nikki was not learning, uh, what blocking was at that point. He was, mm. he wanted to mash DP out of everything. And I was getting, I was getting max damage punishes like a mofo. So I was, uh, taught a very valuable lesson that day. Stop mashing. Stop mashing. It's true. It works. <laughs> Um, is there anyone in the community that you're mentoring right now? Anyone under your wing? Um, there's, well, there's a lot of people (laughs) with ultra tech university. I have almost 40 students right now Four zero. It's a lot of people that are in there either just checking out the discord server, checking out all the tech I post, um, looking at the, the different, uh, 
you know, the different content that I post that's exclusively for them. Uh, and then there's people that I work with that are just hands-on students, like people that I work with sometimes two, three times a week, uh, for you know, whether it be an hour, a half hour, first to 10 set, first to 15 set. Uh, they're a part of my weekly lobbies. They're a part of my um, my monthly tournaments that I host just for them. So you can't get gatekept by gatekept uh, <laughs> by somebody like me. You can't just like join my Ultra Tech University tournaments and be like, oh, I'm just going to win this pop bonus. Like, no, this is just for you guys. This is for you guys to get that tournament experience so that when you go up against the top guys, you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be in a three out of five set. Once it gets to two, two and the pressure's on, you guys will be ready for those situations. So, um, if I had to just throw out any name right now, uh, my favorite up and coming killer instinct player, her name is SVM. She is a spinal player. She learned a lot from base as well. And she's been working with me a lot lately. Uh, very talented killer instinct player. And she's been in a couple top eights online and some big tournaments. So I see some, uh, some good things headed her way right now. Nice. I, I like this whole cultivating aspect of what you're doing. And it's like, you're, you're giving back, which I, I don't think a lot of people do. I'm not going to act like it's an obligation, but I think if a community has given you so much, you should give back a little, just a little, you know? And I think yeah. you, you're well on your way as far as giving back. And I personally commend you um, for doing that. I want to take a look at it sometime, you know, once in a while I get on steam, press the buttons, kill instinct. I'm like, what am I doing? So, yeah. <laughs> but maybe hey, man, I'll, with that. I'll, I'll get some tips from you, man. And this, and just learn. learn oh, sure. Stuff. I'd love to. I'd love oh. to. All, all I can say if you, if you're playing killer instinct is just please above all have fun mm -hmm. because that's what video games are meant to be in the first place before yes. esports, before competitive fighting games, anything else, make sure you're having fun. Yes. So if you're pressing, you know, if you're pressing heavy punch with Tusk over and over, you're swinging the sword all crazy. Or if you're <laughs> jumping all over the screen with Sidira and you're going left, right, up, down, diagonal, sideways, crisscross, applesauce, all these different directions. And you're <laughs> doing that. And if that's fun for you too, as long as you're having fun, man, you know, if somebody's telling you you're not doing something right, like, oh, man, you really shouldn't TP after that minus two situation because, you know, I could block it. Right. If your answer to them is, oh, but I'm having fun, right. what could they say to you at that point? You're well, not are you actually that. blocking it? That's a question. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, that's another thing, too. You know what I mean? So, yeah, are you, are you going to deal with it or what? Um, but if they try to, you know, just credit you for the things that you're doing, if you just say, but I'm having fun, there, anything that they say after that is so invalid because if you're having fun, who cares? Even if it's not working, who cares? Have fun. <laughs> if you want to do the same move five times in a row in the hopes that it works five times in a row, do it. If you want to see if you can throw and grab somebody in it for an entire life bar, go for it. You know, try to set that up. Play the game in the way that you think is going to be the most fun. And then maybe you can make content out of that. Like uh, I could picture the YouTube title now with the thumbnail. Did I beat this guy with only sweeps? Like that could <laughs> yeah. be that could be a thing. And if you're having fun with that, go for it. Not everything has to be grand finals at KI World Cup. You know what I mean? Everything could be, right. be so much more simple than that. And I think if we just take a step back and try to have fun with games as opposed to winning all the time, I think you know it's a great way to enjoy fighting games. Definitely, definitely. Sometimes you just gotta have fun. It's not about validation of winning or how good you are just press some buttons that's it and absolutely take a little escape from the day-to-day -day and just have fun yes you know? yes wholeheartedly i agree um covid as you know put a damper on a lot of things this year yep pre-covid what were some some of your plans and 
things you wanted to do for 2020 before this happened? Um, you know, before this, um, you know, before March, I'd say I was very heavily invested in Mortal Kombat. Um, mm. I even flew out to the to the Mortal Kombat 11 Final Combat uh, because they were having the last, last chance qualifier there, and mm. I was going to compete in that because um, I thought I had a pretty good shot. I was doing well against some of the top seats, um, and I'm not going to say names, of course, right. but I was doing okay, and I thought I had a, I thought I had a decent shot. So I flew out to Final Combat. And I was one of the first ones there to find out that they actually canceled the last chance qualifier mm, yeah. and that the number one seed outside of the top 16 players was going to be the final, you know, the final player. So um, I was a little bit let down by that. And of course I figured out, okay, well, there's not going to be any events after this for a very long time. So mm. um, I kind of just figured out what I wanted to do. So I went, I went back to KI and I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to go to work anymore. I'm going to be home for at least a couple months. Mm. Let me let me build up this foundation with Killer Instinct a little bit. And people are you know going to be staying home and playing the game, which did happen. I predicted that would happen, and it did. And you, I started seeing names like um, Super Noon and Nakiel and Flux and uh, Coach Steve and Dekill Sage started playing the game. And I was like, okay, so we have this, these new players that are other top players in other fighting games, and they're coming over to play this now. So for me, that was like light bulbs started going off in my head i was like all right how about i host a tournament that's all players from other games so i had like the killer instinct invasion right it was a top mm. eight bracket that was filled with all ki players that weren't ki players so like super noon beyond toxin katana prime gur to kill sage a, a whole bunch of people that were in it that weren't your typical ki players and mm. it, it was booming i had like 400 viewers at one point i was like this is this is what we need killer instinct needs new players that are you know representing other communities to showcase what killer instincts all about and we brought in a whole bunch of players that way we have we have smash players that came over to ki um we have people from so many different communities that came over to ki that are just like yeah this game's pretty cool i'm gonna keep playing this and and that that was my end goal um so if that didn't happen you know if, if covid never ended up happening i'd probably still be going hard with mk maybe ki would be you know would be rip by now but uh no uh, in, in a way, it was kind of a blessing in, the, in disguise for the KI community, and um, I don't I don't take full responsibility for it at all. Um, I do think that it's been a group effort between all of the 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 mainstream KI top tier content creators, if you will. Um, so it's it's been us that have been really the driving force uh, at the forefront, carrying the flags. Like, okay, this is this is Killer Instinct. This is our game. This is what we're about. And as a you know as a unit, we've all been doing our part to make sure that this game is seen. So. Who knows? Like I said, if this didn't happen this year, I'm not sure where KI would be. But all I know is that all the negativity aside, um, I am grateful for the opportunity to have this game in the spotlight, which I do think it has been for a while now. I think that's the kind of the, the flip side of COVID. Like, it's closed doors and open new ones, right? And I think for me, what I've learned through COVID is that everything has an evolution point. And evolution is happening right before our eyes, and we just gotta mm -hmm. evolve along with it. However, you're right. doing it, like for us here at KP, you know, we we love to be the tournaments and doing tournament stuff. That shut down, so for a while we're like, damn, life sucks as a team. Yeah, of course, me personally, yeah. I have my personal life, friends, family tend to, but I'm like, damn, what am I gonna do, you know? And then my friend comes along and says, podcasts. Let's talk to people. Yeah. Let's see how everyone's doing. And even though everyone's doing the same same thing, more or less, I think we have our own spin, our own feel, 
um, how we own format, how we go about things. And I think for us, it's, it's been a blessing. I think people will love it. They're going to love seeing you and what you have to say as well as others. And I think you have to just remind people that there's always some way to go about life, no matter what's thrown at us, you know, and a way to continue having fun, doing what we love, even if it's not in person for a while. So <clears throat> it's, it's these things that I think about, of course, on the daily. And I, and I wish the same for everyone that they're able to pull through during this tough time and just still be able to engage in the things they love and stay happy. Totally. No, I, I definitely agree with you on all parts there. Um, you know, staying positive is the best thing that we can do. Obviously, everybody who is going through this has a different situation. Um, I, I've been so, so grateful and fortunate to have made the most of it. Um, 2020 has been kind of a glow up year for me where, um, you know, before this year, I didn't even ha- I haven't had a computer in seven years. So mm-hmm. the fact that I'm here and now I have a computer and I stream and I make content for YouTube and I have a Patreon that I, I is it's my job. I do this every single day, man. I'm, I'm blessed. It's, it's very, I'm very grateful for this. And um, like I said, I just, I treat every single day like a new opportunity. And I do think that, you know, if, if you just keep working hard, you really, it's, it's so cliche and anybody could say it, but you can really make anything come true with hard work. Of course. Definitely agree. wholeheartedly. Um, we all love our communities. We love the FCC. We love our little niche communities, but we also know things aren't always perfect. So like, if there is a gripe, what's one big gripe you have about Killer Instinct and your community? Um, I don't know if it's as much of a gripe. Uh, and, and, and like I said, it's not a, a current, I, I guess in a way it is, but um, it, it's attendance, man. It's definitely like tournament attendance. Um, I see a lot of players playing this game, a lot. If I look at Twitch at any given hour of the day, there's people streaming. Um, but what I don't understand is where are all these people come tournament time. Mm-hmm. These tournaments are very well advertised, and if they're following the big names in the community, which if they're ad, you know they're broadcasting on Twitch and they're rating people and they're interacting with people, um, why aren't you at least entering the brackets? You know what I mean? The numbers are kind of are kind of low tournament wise, and I don't understand that. When we have pop bonuses, we have support from other companies that want to give us pop bonuses. You know, we have these TOs that help out Ki all the time. Um, and I, I personally put money in the pot for these tournaments as well. And I just don't know what it's going to take for people to actually get their name in the bracket. Um, it's free to do. You're not flying out to a tournament. You don't have to put, buy a, a flight or anything like that. There's no plane yeah. ticket involved. You don't have to find lodging. You're in the comfort of your own home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when commentators like, oh, this person's going to go home with fourth place, they actually mean they're actually staying home with fourth place because <laughs> they didn't leave, they didn't leave their, uh, their domicile. Um, so what's, what's it going to take to get your name in that bracket? Um, I know, you know, everybody's on a different schedule. Not everybody can make it due to work. People have real life things going on. I get Mm. that. But for what reason, you know, are, are the numbers as low as they are when we do have still pretty close to a couple, you know, a couple hundreds of people playing the game. I wouldn't say a thousand, but I would say almost, you know, you you can run into probably about thousand people unranked. So that's. You know, it's it's decent. Um, I just want to know where these people are come tournament time. I'll run into the same person in ranked seven, seven, eight times a week, and uh, I'll never see them enter one single <laughs> tournament. That's interesting. Even um, if they're a halfway decent player, yeah. why wouldn't you want the chance at some money? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Is it fear? Is it uh, is it time constraints? I, I don't get it. 
Um, I wish the tournament numbers were a little bit better. Uh, I always felt this way offline. Uh, obviously, that's why I said it doesn't really um, doesn't really uh, go with that right now. Obviously, because you know, with everybody being home, there are no tournaments. Right. Um, but the but the online numbers, the same thing. Where are the tournament numbers? That's interesting. Interesting. I always talk about the different communities in the FTC, and I always think about what will make a perfect community, right? And then I always cite Smash because I always make a joke about how you can put out an ad on a site. I'm going to have a Smash tournament at my house. You're going to have 50 people the next day show up to your house to play Smash because that's, that's their community. They have big turnouts for anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, I always say, I wish we could have that for this game, you know, for that game. I wish this community, we could take that and put it here. You know, we always think about things to make our favorite communities better. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting. You know, it's, it's just we're not perfect. We're, we're trying. We want to thrive, and there's just different reasons as to why people don't do what they need to do to make the community better. You know, varying in each niche community. So it's an interesting take that even though you have so many people playing online, probably more than more recent fighting games, you don't mm-hmm. have the tournament turnout which i think is weird right it, it, it just blows my mind man like i said i could talk about this all day mm-hmm. um i know i know it's not the issue and i know it's not the net code because right. our game is one of the most well-run online games period right. so playing online is not an issue if somebody has a bad connection because they're playing on wi-fi that's their fault right. it has nothing to do with the game our rollback our rollback net code like nine times out of ten uh i'll, I'll even i'll Tighten that number up to 99 times out of 100. It's pretty much flawless. It's really good. Really good. Anybody who's played it can uh, can attest to that. Um, so I know it's not that. And like you said, the Smash community, you know, um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I played that game online a couple times. It's not exactly the same experience as it might be offline. Not at all. Um, the offline experience with KI to online, not too different. There might be one or two things you might get hit by off- online that you won't get hit by offline. Maybe. But I don't think it's that big of a difference, and I do think that it's very similar to uh, offline uh, gameplay. So I, I don't know what it's going to take. Um, where are these players that are always in ranked that are grinding out these pro stars every single month that aren't entering these tournaments? I don't know. Remains to be seen. Maybe one day we'll figure it out. Figure out why. Maybe. Um, what is your one wish for the community? Whether it's for KI or for the FGC as a whole, what is one thing? One wish you wish could come true. Um, for for KI, I I want the I want the game to to, you know, to stick around. Um, I want this community to go on, you know, for a very long time. Uh, I want it to get I want it to get up there. I want people to treat it like all these other mainstream fighting games that are out right now. You know, obviously Tekken is huge, Street Fighter is huge. If we could get to that level and people were brought into Killer Instinct and you know, maybe it only being on Xbox for such a long time, maybe that has something to do with it because everything else was on PS4. Um, and I really do, because I've, you know, I've been in this community for seven years now. Um, I've heard so many people say, if it wasn't on Xbox, if it wasn't on Xbox, if it wasn't on Xbox, and I'm like, okay, dude, all right, well, you know what? Now there's a Steam version and there's a Windows <laughs> 10 version. Yes. And you have a computer because you stream fighting games all the time. So why aren't you still playing Killer Instinct? And some people did. I will give some people the benefit of the doubt. But there are definitely some people like, oh man, well I only have a PS4. All right, well then obviously you're SOL. You don't have a, you know, you don't have a Xbox. You don't have a computer. Obviously you can't play Killer Instinct. 
if the game had more of a diversity of consoles it was on, uh, even if they put it on the Switch. I mean, KI first came out, what, for the SNES? Yeah. Or what, N64? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was it. Uh, why, why not give us a Switch port, too? You know, put the game everywhere. And then make it cross-play. Every other fighting game is doing it. Yeah. So I do think that maybe that was an issue, too. Um, but my, my wish moving forward is that if we do get this new game, that that is taken care of and that we can uh you know get you know if, it, if it's a microsoft ip maybe maybe it can find its way to other consoles at some point i don't know i i really think that's the big thing holding it back um what can you tell us about your current team uh buddha democracy uh what are they like how's it been with them um yeah can you divulge any of that yeah yeah Brutal democracy gaming uh bdg esports it's it's been really really good being with these guys they've treated me like a family uh it's been over a year i've been with these guys now um i i really get along uh with my uh my my friend the owner of bdg his name is oliver great human being one of the best human beings i've ever met uh in esports he's just an absolute gem of a person and they've they've been really good to me right along and um i'm, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to work with these guys because of how uh, how knowledgeable they are and how dedicated they are and how much they actually support each individual community. Because um, you can see, you know, how much they actually do love the killer instinct community. Cause at one point there was like four or five different killer instinct players with BDG. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they really do have an interest in this game. They really do love this game and they allow me to host killer instinct tournaments for them. So um, every, you know, every month, uh, I get together with James Chen and we commentate a killer instinct tournament under the BDG name. And it's just been an absolute blessing to not only be able to support killer instinct and cast with a legend like James Chen, but to know mm-hmm. that the team that I am with, you know, they actually, you know, they give it, they give a damn about this game that I'm absolutely in love with and, um, is basically my life now. So I do think that, uh, because of that, our relationship grew even more. Um, because you know, obviously, that's the the, the ticket to my heart. Anyway, is showing love for Killer Instinct. Mm-hmm. So these guys, uh, they kind of they kind of had me on that one. So I was like, yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they they supported me and everything else too. Because even when I was doing well in MK, you know, they they put me in a contract for you know being a Mortal Kombat competitor as well. So um, they 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 take care of me, man. They really are great people, and it's really a pleasure to work with these guys. That's good to hear. You mentioned earlier, and I did, about how there's this terrible teams and management and what they do to players. So it's always refreshing to hear about players really happy to be with their team, really enjoy it, and um, the smile that it it brings to your face. So I'm glad you're with a family that's taking care of you. Um, You mentioned earlier about kind of semi-retiring commentary is that a thing? Like maybe in a few years, maybe you, with your work that you put in, KI jumps back onto the scene. A pro tour, you see yourself with like your rocker beard and like behind a mic, comment- <laughs> <laughs> do, do some commentary. Uh, well, you see, Rodney, here's the thing. In my old age, uh, my 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 25 year old man reactions are not what they were when I was 19. Let me tell you, a little bit of a little bit of a burn in the back, uh, a little bit of a crick in the neck. I'm not all there like I was. The DP... don't come out like yeah, that. Yeah, some, some no, they don't. Sometimes I mistime them, man. Sometimes I'll I'll see the deep, I'll see the anterior, and I'm waiting to DP, and my brain does it, but my fingers don't, and then I get. 
I get counter hit for getting jumped in on and just like, man, if I was 19, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> um, so <laughs> all jokes aside, all memes aside, I do think that um, as somebody involved in FGC esports, um, I'm at a point where I realize being a competitor in the FGC and especially in a game like Killer Instinct, it's not fully lucrative to treat as a career. And for me, um, I want esports to be my career. I want to I want to continue as a content creator, whatever that means. I still don't know what the word content create the phrase content creator actually means. But whatever I'm doing by posting videos on YouTube and streaming on Twitch and having content on Patreon, um, I guess that makes me a content creator. What I will say is I want to keep doing it. I really friggin' like this a lot. So anything that I could do to keep that happening, I will. Um, so exploring other avenues outside of competing has been really revigorating for me because competing and only competing without streaming or making YouTube videos or ha having any sort of interactions with your community. Um, I did that for a while and it was dry. I got so burnt out on just competing and mm. not having anything else to offer. I was just like, I have all these Twitter followers for what? For just being good at the game? That's right. not what I want. I, I want people to interact with me. I want to be able to say that I have more to offer than just being good at a game. I feel like you're not valuable at that point. You know what I mean? If you are good at a game, that's cool. Uh, that's great. You can be the best player in the world and not do anything else. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But for me, I didn't want that. I wanted more. So I started making the YouTube videos. I started streaming on Twitch. I started interacting with people. I started the Patreon. And then I dove into commentary. And commentary has a place in my heart for many reasons, even outside of fighting games, um, because uh, some you know somebody that I look up to more than anybody else in the world is uh, is Jim Ross, good old Jr. from uh, the World good Wrestling Federation back in the day, good old Jr. So I I love commentary because I grew up you know watching professional wrestling, and my my childhood was hearing Jim Ross scream with the top of his lungs when something exciting or crazy or <laughs> ungodly happened and oh, that god. happens in color yeah as god is my witness he's broken in half and i get to <laughs> you know i can i can say that during a ki stream if i want so being on commentary for me is so passionate for me um because i get to explore that avenue as well and it's great because i'm watching the top eights and i'm calling them and i'm seeing everything and i get to express myself without having to exert any of the competitive energy so i can go through a whole top eight and I can make it from the first match of winter side top eight all the way to grand finals. And I don't have to exert any of that energy. I'm not, you know, stressed out at the end of it all. <laughs> and I don't have to deal with the salt if I lose and I still get to enjoy a top eight. So for me, I love commentary and I would totally 1000% pursue it full time. Um, if, if, if push came to shove, I love competing and I always will have a competitive soul and I will always play the games. But if, it meant that I didn't have to play in tournaments anymore and, and commentary could be a full-time gig for me if I got to that point. I would love it, absolutely. Um, I've had the honor and the pleasure of commentating with Maximilian. I've commentated with James Chen, of course. I commentate mm -hmm. monthlies with him. I've done commentary with Ultra David. Um, I feel like I could get some, you know, could get somewhere with this and I do think I have the ability to do anything I want. Um, that's kind of how I've always been. With Killer Instinct, I made all my dreams come true and won just about every tournament that I wanted to win. I was very grateful to have that opportunity, but I also realized that I put some hard work behind it and I expressed this all in my killer instinct journey video. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to apply it to every other thing that I want to do in life because you know, we, you know, our, our time is all, you know, on an hourglass. So we, we have to make the most of our time. So I want to do everything that I want to do while I'm here. 
Um, and commentary is one of them. I love commentary. I love freaking out on the mic to the point where people can't understand what I'm saying anymore. I love calling out those very specific things in the game that some people might not know about and then being able to explain it to a couple hundred people that are seeing it for the first time. But for me, it's an everyday interaction. So I love every single little bit of commentary because I'm able to express myself and how much I love the game through that. So for me, commentary is... 110% an avenue that I was missing out on. Um, I had done commentary prior at some offline events. Some people might have seen me commentate KIT, Big E tournaments. I've done commentary for a couple of offlines, but it wasn't exactly like a thing for me yet because I wasn't really established. It was just like, uh, we're, we're short-staffed. We need somebody to commentate KI. Can you commentate after you play? Yeah, yeah sure. I'm in pool one. I'll commentate pool two. Sure, why not? So I would do that from time to time as a favor. Um, but then I realized I really liked it. And then when I had the opportunity to start commentating, you know, full, you know, not full time, but more events and more frequently, um, I fell in love with it. And now it's like a passion of mine. I love being on the mic and there's so many great killer instant commentators that I love working with that. It's just like, you know, people that I'm so familiar with and people that I'm used to commentating with, I kind of get how to, you know, give and take from commentary when I'm working with somebody and the whole philosophy behind commentary is very interesting to me. I study commentary a lot when I watch top eights of like Street Fighter or, or Tekken. I'll listen to people like Tasty Steve and Say Jam and the way they interact with each mm -hmm. other and how they give and take from each other because there's a lot of that. And it's very, like I said, there's a lot of philosophy behind it. And um, they had the moments where they say the same exact thing at the same exact time. I don't know if I'll ever get that good, <laughs> but uh, I, I, do, I do have an appreciation for that. And I do think commentating is just, uh, it's an art form, man. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Commentary is wonderful. I think it's expanded now. They have a, a Discord, I believe, uh, ran by like some of the best commentators in FTC and in esports. And it's just to help people along who want to take this seriously. And I'm, I'm glad that the, the community comes together to like just give that resource out to up and comers. It's very important, kind of like what you're doing, you know, with Kill Instinct. I think all those things are very important for the community to continue to grow and evolve. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I totally appreciate uh, the, the ability to grow the community and watch it evolve in different ways. And for me, I'm growing and evolving through it. You know what I mean? Watching all these new players come in and being able to spend time with these new players and you know should bestow my knowledge upon them if you will it's great man because i find these players that are nasty absolutely nasty and i'm like man i'm glad you weren't around when i was competing like during the ki world cup days <laughs> <laughs> um nikki you have been awesome today i don't want to keep any longer thank you for just coming on here on the show talking to us with your presence really appreciate it is there anyone you just want to say what's up to Anyone you want to thank, any shout-outs, the floor is yours. Uh, I, I want to give a quick shout-out to the KI community in general because um, without them, I would not be here. Uh, these last couple of months, especially after I started doing this full-time, I wasn't able to really express how, how grateful I was for the KI community. Um, so I, I try to give back as much as I can to you guys, and you guys have been nothing but uh, exceptionally wonderful to me. So thank you guys so much. You're all awesome. Uh, and then shout outs to my mom, because without my mom, I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff. Uh, she's my <laughs> she's my rock and she's the reason I'm able to do this stuff every single day. So uh, she's my, my number one supporter, if you will. So my best friend, 
favorite person, all that. Shout out to my mom. I love my mom. <laughs> yeah, go mom. Yes. Moms are the best. Go mom. Um, we are oh, definitely, yeah. when we're just over, give us your links. We'll post it. End of the video and on the podcast so people can just check out all of your links your university uh discord um patreon etc i'm gonna put all that out there for you great thank you so much rodney yeah, thank you for coming on the show and indulging us really appreciate you perfect thanks right. so much all right take hmm? oh <laughs> my producer reminded me your social media how do we get to you Oh, you can find me at Nikki FGC <laughs> on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. All one word, N-A-C-K-Y-F-G-C. And that's everything. Clears, it covers everything. Oh, yeah. You'll yes. find everything there. No problem. Thank you again, Nikki. Thank you all for watching. This has been another episode of KPP Cast. This is Rodimus Prime, and I'll see you guys next time. Take care. See ya. This has been a KPB MediaWorks production. <laughs>